Well, I titled the sermon today, Confident Hope and the Praying Spirit. Confident Hope and the Praying Spirit. Just four verses here and uh, two parts to the sermon. Um, the first few verses kind of carry where we left off last, uh, two weeks ago uh, before Reformation Sunday. And then the next two verses really give another amazing reality to the Christian life. And uh, I learned a lot in the study this week of, of some things just at, at levels that I had not realized in the past. I'm so excited to share this with you. Let me read where we left off two weeks ago. Paul says this in Romans 8, 23 and 24, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we believers, we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We talked about the groan of creation, but also the groan of every believer. That the groan being the, the audible pain, the audible agony. As we groan, sometimes it's not even words that we can put to it. It's just a noise. Oh, Lord. Oh, we long for your return. We long for all things to be made new. We long for the day when this will be a distant memory. This darkness, this brokenness, this struggle, this pain and persecution. We groan. Now let's look at verses 24 and 25. The eyes of hope. The eyes of hope. On the back of your bulletin, I always put sermon notes. And uh, the reason I put fill in the blanks is so that I can emphasize certain words and, and really drive these in. Plus, kids love it. And uh, I love seeing the kids taking notes. So kids, get a pencil and, uh, and, or a crayon and, and take notes and then draw what you hear. As I'm, as I'm preaching, you just draw it out. Make some illustrations for me. And then sometimes I like when you bring those up, I'll put them up in my office. Okay? Right on. The eyes of hope. Listen to these verses. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see... We wait for it with patience. Now, these are fairly obvious things. Paul is saying, listen, um, hope that is seen is hope that is realized. We don't have a hope that is realized in its fullness. We have an already not yet dynamic happening. Absolutely. We are already saved and not yet fully saved. We are already alive and yet we know that our mortal bodies are still decaying and, and, and fading to the grave. So we are already alive, but we are not yet fully alive as we will be someday. We have hope, but we don't see it in its fullness yet. And so we live in this reality of, of patience. Hope and patience always go together. Just experience your children the days leading up to Christmas, right? Hope and patience. You see the presence. You see them under the tree. But you're, and you're hopeful for what you're going to receive, but you can't open them yet. You have to wait. You have to wait. That is where we are at. We see what is coming. We know it's, it's going to come. It's just a matter of waiting for its arrival. 
hope for the Christian is an unshakable confidence in the promises of a sovereign God. I hope you have felt that emphasis throughout Romans thus far. Hope is not wishful thinking. It is not, well, I hope it works out. I hope this happens as if it may not. No, that is not the nature of this word for the Christian. It is sure, it is certain, and it's just a matter of time. Not wishful thinking. It is a confidence that's unshakable that we have in the depths of our soul. He is going to do all He has promised. Bank on it. It's coming. Hope and patience go hand in hand. One of the things that God will often do to grow us with the fruit of patience is to allow trials into our lives. This will bring the rooting of hope at deeper levels. For instance, when you are feeling the, the, the weakness of your body, the frailty, it's for some of you, man, it's so good to see you back, Pam. Welcome back. And I keep seeing people who we've missed for a number of weeks and they're back. Um, praise God for that. What you have just gone through, right? I talked to someone just recently and he said, I would not want to go through COVID again, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade anything for what God taught me by zapping all the strength from my body and making me so weak that I just held to him with all my might. That was precious. You see what he does there? He loves us enough to put us in situations of trial to strengthen our hope in him while we wait. While we wait. Christian hope then sees things as they will be, not just as they are. That's why I call it the eyes of hope. It's the eyes of hope. You have to see with faith that what is coming is certain and sure, and it's far better than what we currently see. Someone said this. I, I, I would like to give them um, the, uh, the, the quote there, but I can't remember. That's part of the struggle, right? I'm 45. I'm studying. I've got all these books and sermons rolling, and I, I don't remember who said it. It was great. I love that quote. It's not mine, okay? I want to be precise with this stuff. Um, we're not into Christian plagiarism here. Did I say that wrong? That sounded sort of Texan. Plagiarism? Okay. Every now and then my dad pops through and you can hear the Texas come out. Christian hope sees things as they will be, not just as they are. So when you are a believer, when you have this hope, and you, you know it's certain and sure, you can walk through the day and you can experience the groan inwardly and at the very same time have joy have peace that surpasses understanding have have a reality that holds you when your grip is weak in this life in first corinthians 15 i don't have time to build out that passage i i preached through all of first corinthians years ago those those are all online but I love 1 Corinthians 15. Paul talks about the, the glory of what is to come and kind of the, the way the seed is not all that impressive. He said that the seed, the true glory of the seed is, is found after it's planted. Friends, this mortal body 
that is fading to the grave is the seed. That's the seed. It's sown, he says, in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown in in mortality, but it's raised in immortality. This body that we have is the good gift of God, but right now because of sin, even though we are saved and redeemed, these bodies are still fading to the grave. And one day, if the Lord does not return before then, one day we will be planted like a seed. But that is not the final word. Because look at what he does out of seeds. Have you ever done this? I did some research. This is not a redwood tree or, or a giant sequoia seed, but it's, it's, uh, uh, it's slightly smaller uh, than that. So picture that tiny little seed falling to the earth and then God pushing it into the, the dirt and causing the miracle of life. You can learn a lot about your salvation from studying seeds and germination, and what God does from seeds. Think what can come from a tiny seed. The glory of what He can do when He raises that seed. This is General Sherman. It's the biggest giant sequoia known on earth currently. It is massive, and it started like that. Think of that. All those years ago, The God who can take a tiny seed and grow a giant sequoia is the God who says, I'm going to plant you someday in this earth. And then I'm going to raise your mortal body in glory, in immortality, in strength. This is not the final word for us, friends. Weakness, frailty, Brokenness is not the final word. Some of you are just reeling with medical situations. Some of you are are online because you can't be here because of that. Friends, the eyes of hope see what is to come, not just what currently is. We can make our way through trying and challenging days because we know with certainty that our hope is sure. Because our God is sovereign, we will be raised. So, we can look at it this way. The eyes of hope will look upon present weakness and say, yes, true, but coming strength. Present suffering, true, it's real, it hurts, but coming relief. Present persecution, absolutely, without a doubt but coming justice. I think of the martyrs under the table that cry out in Revelation, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? It's coming. It's coming. Be comforted. Wait just a little longer, he says. There will be a day where all the wrongdoings that have ever taken place will be addressed in perfect justice. There is a fair amount of injustice taking place in our world, is there not? Every time I check the news, it reminds me of this. Here's the thing, friends. I just want to encourage you with this. For you Fox Newsers out there, 
spend an equal amount of time on what is coming as you do with what is. Your heart will grow angry and you will be frustrated and you will be extremely troubled. But there is peace to be found in times like these by looking at what is to come. Rest in that. Rest in that. If you spend more time on Fox News than in your Bible, repent! Repent! You need to bring to what is what is to come. Spend more time here, my friends. More of your Bible than the news. Present mortality coming immortality. Every time I do a funeral, I'm reminded of this incredible future we have. This, this goodbye is not the final word. Stand over a grave and it's lowered. the body is lowered down into the earth. This is not the final word for this man. Why? Because he is in Christ. Someday, this ground is going to break forth and that body will be raised like a giant sequoia. It will be raised to immortality. That actual body, your body, friends, will be raised someday. Present struggle, coming triumph. Victory is ours. It's certain, it's sure. It is going to go down exactly as He has told us. That's why I love studying Revelation. We know it's coming. It's just a matter of time. Be encouraged, my friends. John Calvin, one of the favorite Latin phrases that John Calvin proclaimed, it's on my wall. It's on my wall in my office. Post tenebras lux. Here's what it means. After darkness, light. Yeah. Yes. I have my giant claymore broadsword uh, up above that quote because the reality is, is that we war. We are in a battle. This is a raging battle. We live in this every day. And sometimes it feels dark and gloomy and dreadful and hopeless. But it's not. It's not. There is a future. It is sure. It is coming. Friends, after darkness, light. Light. The light of Christ. Now, the second half of this, let's look at what the Holy Spirit does when we pray. This is spectacular. This is the praying paraclete. And I'll explain that word a little more as we get into these verses. Verse 26. Oh, let me, let me say this <laughs> up front. Uh, prayer is essential, but prayer is not easy. Who, who, who struggles with prayer? I mean, have you been there? To struggle with prayer. I was having a conversation with someone recently. It's just like, God, I don't know what to pray. And, and sometimes I'm, I'm worried that what I'm praying is actually uh, not helpful. Like, how do I know if I'm actually helping or not when I pray? And, and, and there's mystery in prayer. God is sovereign. He's ordained all things. He's in total control. But he, he calls us to pray and participate with Him in causality. And that, that blows my mind. So, yes, I pray, but sometimes I don't know what to say? I'll show you a picture of my, uh, my crew from uh, Bible school. This is the uh, Colby 19 
Eagles, we, it, shortly after this, we all shaved our heads. We were the bald eagles, okay? It was the best. And none of us had girlfriends at that point, I think. We were the bald eagles, and we killed it on the basketball court, man. We were good. Um, but we loved the Lord. And so these 30, 33 guys, we would get together, and, and one night our RA uh, said, hey, brothers, let's meet at uh, 11 o'clock in the, what was that thing called? It was like a little atrium. The lounge, right? There was this middle area on our dorm floor, on the 19th floor, downtown Chicago. And we would meet in the lounge. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And, and uh, Dante, my, my RA, great brother from Atlanta, uh, he said, uh, we're just going to pray as long as we need to pray. And I'm like, I'm all in. Let's do it. So all these guys come. We pile into the, into the lounge and we start in. And Dante says, listen, here's the deal. Um, you know, someone open up and then I'll close. And, and we, we're just going to pray, cover everything, anything the Lord lays on your heart, just pray it out. And it would take as long as we need. So we start praying and it's, it was wonderful. Very precious, sweet time of prayer with my brothers. We're learning and some of the struggles and challenges. And, and then I remember it was about an hour in, uh, kind of quieted down. And we're all kind of waiting for Dante to close us in prayer. And we waited, and we waited, and I'm talking like six, seven, eight minutes of silence. Finally, I look over, and Dante's completely sleeping. He is gone. I never forgot that. That was the funniest moment. So one of the guys realized that and said, thank you, Lord, amen. Let's go to bed. You know, Dante felt bad. But isn't that true? I mean, you, have you been there? You close your eyes to pray with the best of intentions and you're fighting for words. Where do I go with this, Lord? Uh, uh, my mind is wandering all over the place. How do I lock in? Focus. How do I know what words to say? And how do I stay awake? Lest we feel alone in this battle, the disciples knew exactly what this was like. Jesus, at the most important time when the weight was heavy and He needed their, their prayer support, He requests their prayers. Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. He says, listen, this is after they've already fallen asleep once. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Both in Christ and His disciples as they are so sleepy. He goes back to pray and the disciples fall asleep again. Friends, that's kind of normal. That, that's, it, this is the reality of our weakness, even in prayer. There's good news, though. Sometimes uh, I, I wonder what to ask. I had this experience just this week. I, it was amazing. I've been studying on this and Tuesday... I'm on my way in. I love my commute to the church. I love driving in. I get about a 30-minute time with the Lord, and we just it, the Lord has kind of tuned my impulse to pray when I'm in my car by myself. Just pray. And I started to pray for a situation, and I literally was like, Lord, I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what, what needs to happen in this situation. I've prayed for years. I, I, I don't want to stop praying. The situation needs prayer, but what do I say? What's the best thing for this situation? I don't know. 
Should I stop praying about it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Look at these verses and be encouraged, friends, when you find yourself there. Likewise, Paul says, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that's God, the third person of the Trinity, who lives in every believer. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings. Too deep for words. So creation is groaning. Christians are groaning. And the Spirit who lives in you is groaning in intercessory prayer. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. These are amazing verses. What I want to do is just unpack them a few points along the way here and, and see how they meet us. Number one, first of all, this is the incredible ministry of the Holy Spirit. I love drawing attention to His work in the life of the believer. So often, uh, the overemphasis on the Spirit is, is misplaced. But in the Christian life, we fail sometimes to realize all the things the Spirit does. Here's another to add to the list. When you pray, the Holy Spirit is joining you in prayer to the Father. So number one, we pray because we are weak. This must be said. We pray because we are weak. One of the great encouragements of the Christian life is this. You don't have to pretend to be strong. You don't have to, to, to walk as if somehow... You're not weak. When I am weak, Paul says, then I am strong. Why? One of the reasons? Because I'm on my knees, depending upon God in prayer. I'm going to Him with my weakness. That's what we have the opportunity to do. Imagine if prayer didn't exist. What would we say? What would we do with this, this struggle, this weakness that we feel? We have somewhere to go with it. We pray because we are weak. And, and don't miss this. There's no qualification here. There's no category of weakness that is out of bounds. It's just, this is just a, just a catch-all category. We are weak. He is strong. When you are weak, when you're unsure, when you are falling and failing and you feel the, the, the weight of your, your body fading, you're groaning, what do you do? Pray. Pray. And find strength. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is assumed, friends. The mirage of strength is one that, that God breaks right through, right away. Oh, how we can walk around pretending that we are strong. We are not strong in and of ourselves. We are weak. We're broken people, a needy people, in need of daily bread, sustained by God. Every time I go to bed, tired, and I wake up in the morning with strength, look at what you did. Look at how you sustain my weakness when I lay down and close my eyes. We are a frail people, which is why we pray. 
Jesus said this in John 15, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, Christian, unless you abide in me. You cannot bear fruit unless you abide. What does that mean? What does it mean to abide? Oh, draw from Christ. Draw in His strength. Like a branch tied in with the vine. Look to Him. Pray to Him. Depend upon Him. Pull your strength from Him because you don't have it in yourself. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then he says these words. These are, <laughs> these are amazing words. Believe this, Christian. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Nothing. There is no fruit that's going to be hanging on the branches of your life apart from Christ and the strength you are to draw from him. If you want to bear fruit, prayer is your pathway. Cling to him. Live in his words. Pray to him. Hmm. We are weak, which is why we pray. Number two, we are weak even when we pray. Not like all of a sudden we hit our knees and, and we get strong and our words come out just flawless. No, we are weak even, even in the words we say we're weak. We're limited. We don't see as we ought. We, we are limited by our perspective. We're sometimes inclined to comforts rather than to holiness. Have you ever thought about your prayers? Just take this past week. Are your prayers sweeping and expansive as God and His will and His kingdom and His glory and renown would have them to be? Mine weren't. Not even close. Are your prayers tending towards creature comforts, the relief of pain that maybe God has purpose for in your life to bring a greater strength than you would ever find without it? It's not wrong to pray for relief from suffering. Don't get me wrong. It is wrong to waste suffering. It's wrong to, to waste pain. God will give trials for our growth and our good. Sometimes we pray, just make it end. And we miss the whole point of what He may be doing. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. What am I supposed to pray for, Lord, today? What is the most important thing for my life, for your kingdom, for your name, for your glory? Remember the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, glorify your name. May your name be glorified. Glorify, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. May your kingdom come and your will be done. That is the highest cause. Those three things in all of our prayers. It's where our prayers begin. But oh, friends, how often we don't even consider those things when we pray. Hmm. What is God's will for this situation? We are called, especially in 1 John, we are called to pray according to the will of God. Well, how do I know His will? How do I know His will in this situation as I pray? I, I don't always know it. I, I can't. I'm limited. 
This is a, an amazing reality. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete, our helper. This word is, is special. It's a, it's a Greek word that we find in uh, the, the, the book of John. John is the only one that uses this word, actually. Um, the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. Um, it says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. And as, as you think about this, just stop and consider the mystery of this. God is one, and he is three persons, right? So he is, there is one God, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we've already heard that Christ is interceding for you before the Father. So Jesus, the Son, is praying to the Father for us right now. Now we're learning that the Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, is also interceding, praying for, advocating for us before the Father as well. The Spirit himself intercedes for us to the Father on our behalf, especially in situations when we don't know what to say or how to pray. It's an amazing reality. John 14, 6, listen to this. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another, here's the word, paraclete. One who comes alongside to help, a helper to be with you, Christians, forever. He won't leave. He is the guarantee, the seal, the deposit of your salvation. Parakletos is the word. It means advocate, helper, or intercessor. So you have within you, Christian, right now as I speak, the third person of God. He is in you. The Spirit of God himself lives in you. He dwells in you, and he is praying for you as I speak. He's praying for you. It's amazing. We are called to pray, but the Spirit helps us lift the load. The idea would be if, if I was trying to lift up, I don't know, let's say a washing machine. Those things are not light, right? You can't lift that by yourself. You're trying to lift a washing machine and you can only carry one side and, and you don't know how to get around. You can't do this by yourself. The, the, the word here that, that conveys is that the Holy Spirit comes and as I seek to lift, He comes alongside me and helps to lift the load. He makes up for where I'm weak. What he doesn't do is say, hey, stop. I'll lift it all by myself. He comes together with us in our prayers to intercede on our behalf, to make up for our weakness, to lift the load. Number four, the prayers of the Spirit are not mechanical, but deeply personal and emotional. There is an error sometimes people make when they talk about how God is the same. And sometimes they talk that God is not an emotional God because they, they, they err. I think they, they write on God the inclination of our emotions which, which sway and move based on circumstances and, and they're sometimes out of our control. And that is not true of God. God chooses the perfect response to every situation and is deeply emotional. He is an emotional God. He dances over you with singing. This is our God. The Spirit Himself can be grieved. And the Spirit here, it says, is praying, interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. 
Now, there has been throughout the years horrible handlings of this verse. A lot of charismatic craziness has spun out of this. That's an errant understanding of what Paul is saying here. This is a, an anthropomorphism. It's a, the, the idea is, is that he's, he's connecting to our experience of groaning by describing the Spirit as also groaning like us. He joins us in this. This is not speaking in tongues. This is not at all the context nor the, the call of speaking in tongues or, or making some weird noises that you can somehow attribute to the Holy Spirit. No, this is the Holy Spirit Himself who is in you, who is so intimately woven into the very core of your soul that when you groan, He groans as well. I see some, some echo of this even in Jesus' ministry when He comes to the grave of Lazarus. Jesus wept. It wasn't a show. Not one ounce of, of trickery or, or falsity was in those tears. He wept, knowing full well what he was planning to do to glorify God and raise Lazarus. He enters into our pain. He enters into our weakness. And the Spirit is close in that. It is deeply personal and deeply emotional. Not just the mechanics. Well, here's Jeremy again. He's clueless. And he's praying, look out, Father. We're going to have to do some work. You know, nope, wrong prayer. Well, he got it wrong again on that one. Shave it off, adjust it. Okay, let's throw that one up. No, it's not like that at all. It's love. It's close. It's involved. It's, it's grace-filled. Ministry. Comforting. The Holy Spirit prays perfectly even when we don't. The Holy Spirit prays perfectly even when we don't. He who searches hearts, that is referring now to the Father. And he who searches hearts, that's the Father, he knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Well, they're one God. In fact, the Father searches the heart and the, 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 the Spirit searches the Father. They know each other fully, totally, and eternally. Always. And then he adds, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Hmm. Have you ever thought of this? Every single prayer the Spirit prays for you is answered. <laughs> that is awesome. You know why I can say that with confidence? Because the Holy Spirit never prays apart from the will of God. His prayer is perfect. His prayer for you is answered every time. What a comfort. Our weakness, His strength. Paul is saying, Douglas Moo says, Paul is saying that our failure to know God's will and consequently our inability to petition God specifically and assuredly is met by God's Spirit who Himself expresses to God those intercessory petitions that perfectly match the will of God. When we don't know what to pray for, yes, even when we pray for the things that are not best for us, we need not despair. 
we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession on our behalf. So for the parent with a wayward child, and the child is in full-scale rebellion, and you say, Lord, I don't know what to pray. I hate to see this horrible trial upon their life. I hate to see the weight of all of their sin raining down on them in consequence after consequence. I want to pray for their relief from this situation. They're miserable. But I also want to pray for their salvation. And maybe this is what they need to be broken before you so that you will open their eyes to see Christ as Savior. What do I pray? Pray for them. Lord, your will be done. Save my child. Save them from their sins. Turn their heart toward Christ. Do what needs to be done, I pray, O oh God. I plead with you. And the Holy Spirit will take your prayer and make it perfect according to the will of God. That's an amazing reality. Our call is to pray. Even in our weakness and the, the, the feeble nature of our words, the Spirit takes and makes them strong and matches them to the will of God. Derek Thomas said it this way, therefore we should be encouraged to pray. I, I pray that you feel that. Never be discouraged to pray because you're not sure what to say. Pray! We won't fully understand the mystery of prayer in this life, but we know that the Lord commands us to pray. He has ordained, that here's so, this is so important. Listen to this sentence. He has ordained prayer as the means through which we cooperate, I would say even participate, with him in bringing about his sovereign will. Some people say, oh, if God is sovereign, then I'm just a robot. That's not true. It's not true. We are invited into, in a participatory way, the fulfillment of ordination. So God has, has programmed the GPS with a destination, and then he says, drive that car. To each turn along the way, we participate with God in bringing about all that He has ordained, both the end and the means by which it is accomplished. Prayer is a part of that. It's a mind-blowing, mysterious part of that. He encourages us with the truth that the Holy Spirit who dwells in us tenderly takes our prayers and directs them according to God's will before His throne. What an amazing thing. Friends, I don't know if you even ever knew that the Holy Spirit was doing this in your life. From the moment you were saved, the Holy Spirit has been taking your prayers, adjusting as needed, and directing them according to the will of God for perfect fulfillment for your good and His glory. That's amazing. Our response this morning, I just want to ask the question, as we consider this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Look at how it all comes together. Look at how these things weave together. I just want to ask a question this morning. Are you trusting in Jesus? Or are you trying to pretend to be strong yourself? Oh, how many times the sinful heart builds a facade of strength. It's like those buildings that have an impressive front 
And then you look around the side and you're like, oh, that's just fake. Oh, how sin wants to do that in our lives. We walk around as if we don't have any needs and we're strong and we're fine and we lay in bed at night and we know we are dying inside. We're being crushed under the weight of our inadequacy and sin. We know that there is a reckoning that will come. So I ask the question this morning, have you run to Christ? Have you turned from your rebellion and your hard-hearted falsity to embrace the reality of Christ and His finished work for you? If you've not done that, then I plead with you, do it today. Trust Jesus and be saved. You will experience what it means to be true. I mean, just think. Your whole life, you've been living a lie. All of a sudden, you get to taste of reality. And the reality says, when I am weak, He is strong. I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't have to try to be good enough or holy enough to win His favor. I'm not. I am the sinner, the rebel. He has made a way for me. Trust in Him. And in believing, you will find joy, peace, and power in the Holy Spirit, and you will abound in hope. Do that today. Don't let another day go by. Response to the hope aspect of this sermon. Believers, live in confident hope even as you groan for glory. For He who promised is faithful. Don't despair. Don't despair. Oh, the enemy loves despair. He wants to try to convince you that you're hopeless God is sovereign. He is faithful. And there is a future coming for you that will blow your mind. So, be confident in your hope even as you groan. Number two, in your weakness, come to God in prayer, especially when you're unsure what to pray. In those moments when you don't know what to say, take the most of them. Make, make those moments shine. Oh Lord, I love you. I want your best for this situation. I don't know what you're accomplishing here, but I look to you. I plead that you would accomplish all your good pleasure. Save, grow me, strengthen me, accomplish what you have ordained. And Spirit, take those prayers and make them perfect according to the, the will of God. Let's pray. Father, it's so refreshing to be reminded that we don't have to pretend with You. We can be who we truly are. We, we live in the frailties of the flesh. We have this mortal body that is fading to the grave. We, we have weakness and we know weakness. Thank You for being strong. Jesus, thank You for taking upon Yourself flesh. This, this incarnation that, that allows You to know what we are going through fully. You have experienced the weakness of this frail body that fades. You know what it's like to undergo temptation and yet without sin, we look to You and thank You for Your accomplishments for us. We worship You. And Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your ministry. I am constantly amazed, Holy Spirit, at all the things You do for us behind the scenes that we don't even realize 
We adore you and worship you and ascribe glory to you as, a, as, as God himself abiding within us. We thank you for your ministry. And Father, we delight in you, the sovereign God of all, who is working to bring a pass all that you have ordained and using us to that end as well. We pray that we would be part of your, your, your uh, commissioned uh, force that goes out into this dark world to bring the light of hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.